this morning, and I didn't want her to because I wanted to hear it with you because I knew what she was going to share was going to be something that we needed to hear. And I'm so thankful. Thank you very much. Alita. Everybody say, Hi, Alita. This is not my comfort zone, but I'll do my best. She did great, right? Sorry, Danielle, but you deserve it. So I'm going to take you on a bit of a... A bit of a personal journey. Something that was revealed to me, uh, actually January the 9th of 2019, and that's the first part of my story. <clears throat> and then I also want to share um, a little bit of what did come in intercession, and therefore why we feel led this way and are calling it going deeper. So, Danielle used the word soaking, and that's where I was on January the 9th, 2019, soaking, resting, waiting with the Lord. Not saying anything to Him, just waiting in His presence. And I don't know how long I had been sitting there, but this picture emerged vision, I would say. And um, Jesus and I were sitting on a side hill overlooking a beach. And when I saw that, I said, Jesus, why are we here? What, what is this? And he said to me, Alita, look at that beach again. I saw my family. I saw my children, their spouses, and my grandchildren. And he didn't, he didn't say anything, but I knew in my spirit when he was showing me that. I, I heard in my spirit, he said, I watch over them. I see them. I am with them all the time. I don't miss a thing. And so as a mom, and as a mommy, because that's what my grandkids call me, that was very, very comforting. And so uh, throughout that whole year, I can hear myself, um, throughout the whole year, I would revisit that vision and take great comfort and be very, very thankful that the Lord is watching over my family, just like he watches over every single one of you. He doesn't miss a thing about any one of you. So now move forward to December of 2019 and uh, asking the Lord about 
Should we move into a week of prayer and fasting? And as Danielle already alluded to, it was a big right-on yes. Um, and then about two weeks before Christmas, in a time of intercession, the Lord showed us a well. And as we were looking into that well, there was a lot of stuff blocking that well. And so we prayed into that, and his message was he wanted to take care of the things in our lives that were blocking the, the living water from flowing more. And Connie's going to um, share a little bit about more about that. He actually used the word blasting, which sounds a bit harsh, but I think Connie's got a little bit more explaining that. Then, so that, that's another component, Barkley and I had opportunity to be with our, well, two of our kids and four of our grandkids at Christmas time. And on one of the evenings, actually Boxing Day evening, um, we had privilege to be with our oldest daughter, nobody else. Unfortunately, a lot of the rest of the family was sick not great for them, but the three of us were doing fine, and I need a drink of water. And as we were sharing with our oldest daughter, a family situation came up. And siblings Rivalry. I think every family maybe experiences sibling rivalry. So, of course, as parents, that hurts your heart because you want your children to be happy and getting along. And as we were talking, the whole picture of the revelation that the Lord had given me January the 9th, 2019, came back into focus. Like at that moment, not that it had not been there, but it was very real again in that moment. And, um, but you know, you have your visit and then you carry on visiting. But on the flight home from Fort St. John, I was pondering the whole thing. And I said, Lord, I really don't even know how to pray. I don't even know where to begin with this, with the kids. Going from sitting on the side hill, he got up, he walked over to his right, and he beckoned me to follow him. And when I did, there was a well there. And there was a well with living water, and it was just bubbling up. I can see it right now, as clear as the day he showed it to me. There's this bubbling up, bubbling up. still, right now, today, and the process will carry on because I'm not quite sure what he's going to reveal, what more he's going to say, um, but I know he's going to reveal something. 
I'm, I'm assured of that. As I spend time with him, it could be in this coming week. I don't know. I hope so. But that's okay. If it, if it doesn't happen this week, it's a journey that Jesus and I are on. But there's the picture of the well. And he's been speaking to me about some other things about my well needing being cleaned out of some things. He's brought some things to the surface that my heart is just, oh Lord, huh. yeah, okay, you can you can have that, you can take care of that. Because the invitation to go deeper means that inside of me, inside of you, stuff he wants to take care of stuff so that we can have more of him. So that we can be like that person that Danielle saw in her dream and inviting others. Now, through this whole um, process that I've been walking through with the Lord, the story of the woman at the well has really been highlighted to me. And I love this story. I just love it. So I am going to take a moment to read some of it, not all of it, I will start, it's in John chapter 4, out of the NIV, and I will read 4 through 17 to begin with. Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, I think that's how you say Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water serve. You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? <clears throat> Are you greater than the father than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, <clears throat> Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband, and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right. 
these days, you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir! Okay, I'm going to stop there. And then I'll jump to 25, 26. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. So then I'm going to skip to 28 and 30. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe you just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the Lord. And the reason I love this story so much is because Jesus broke through all the barriers, every single one of them. He didn't care that he was a man and she was a woman and he wasn't supposed to talk to her. He didn't care that he was a Jew and she was American and he wasn't supposed to have anything to do with Samaritans. He didn't say so, but his actions sure did. He said, my eye is on you, just like he said to me about my kids. And he says to you, my eye is on you. I know you. I know you so well. And I want to take care of some of those things that you struggle with, that you deal with. And he does it so kindly. And he asks her a very, very leading question. Go and get your husband.
but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So when um, I read this, I knew God was saying to me, you're that Pharisee. You're the one that finds all of your worth in these um, things that you do. Somehow that makes you feel better about who you are, that you can do this. And uh, I felt Jesus say, in my mercy, I'm showing you this. Because your worth is not found in those things. I want you to know that your worth is found in me. And when you can um, get to that place and know that it doesn't matter about all that other stuff, that I see who you are and I love you exactly the way you are without all this stuff making you feel better about yourself. So I think that's um, something for all of us for this week, that God wants to show us maybe these places in ourselves where we're finding value in things or who we are or what we have. And Jesus wants to say, I want you to be so rooted and grounded in me that none of the other stuff especially stuff that comes against us in the day-to-day stuff. So, that was what I wanted to, to share with everybody. I look at that scripture, and what's, what really stands out to me something that I myself would say. God, be merciful and gracious to me, the especially wicked sinner that I am. And we have a God who is so gracious, so loving, so caring, that He always has time for us. He never, ever, ever turns away. We never ever see his back. We only, unless we're following right behind him. But he never ever turns his back on us. And that's something that we need to really, really take into our heart. That he will never, ever abandon us, forsake us, or leave us. He's right in the middle of where we're at particular stage in our life, in all the trials and tribulations, he is right there in the middle of it saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. I love you. I care for you. Um, fasting really directs our hunger towards God. We put aside the physical requirements and we direct our hunger towards God. It's, 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 saying, it's saying to God, you know, I'm not, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I want to change. I want, I want to grow. I want to be more in contact with you. But you know, fasting really is a, it's an invitation. It's an invitation from Jesus to come close. 
and share with us? Why don't you come up and share with us? Six pages. Oh my gosh. I was just as surprised I printed it on. But it's it's just double lined and things are duplicates, so no worries, guys. Um, I was just gonna give a bit of a testimony about communion and um, and a bit of it's funny that there's so much in all of us sharing anxiety that gets popped up. And I was asking God this morning, what is my problem? I get out there and talk on the mic different times, but someone tells me to do something. I am scared. I want to run. I will never. I read all these proclamations. I am never preaching. I'm never, never. I said, well, what's the issue? And it's, it's because I'm being vulnerable. I'm sharing a part of me that God wants in all of us to be vulnerable. A lot of us didn't have healthy upbringings where we were able to be vulnerable. So we put up walls, but God says, you know, I want it down. Because the sweetness of tears and being um, vulnerable, that's who Jesus is. That's who he wants us to be with each other. Okay, I'll talk about it. So, I've been walking about 37 years in the Lord, and the first Sunday of each month, I'd go up and take the elements for 37 years out of obedience. And as you, the years go on, you understand it more, teaching is more. Um, now, I think I'm just going to mostly read it here so I can get through it quickly. Um, so I receive the elements, I quiet the this is what I do now, and I invite the Father in. And one of my prayers is always, God, I invite you in to just do whatever I want. All my, my stuff that you don't want there gone. Um, just a quick thing with communion. Two of my kids, in different times in their life, they chose to walk this way away from God. So they refused to actually go up to the communion table. We asked them why, and they said, I'd be a hypocrite if I went up there because I'm living this way, and to go up there. And they said, actually, they said to us, we see a lot of hypocrites in the church. And I went, So we, but anyhow, there was a time that both times, separately from our two kids, Dave and I were leading worship, and they came to the front to take the elements. But guess what? They owned their walk. They weren't doing it because mom and dad did it. They did it because God cut hold of them. And it was precious. We were crying. The church was crying because we had a lot of people praying. Um, I just, what I really want to explain is um, give yourself a chance with communion. We, we do it out of obedience, but there's a time, and like I said, this is 37 years for me. There is a time, and I'll share what happened to me, but there's a shift. We were up here sharing communion, and then I got the elements. And as I quieted myself and took it, just out of routine and obedience and, and prayer, that I had the, I can't give words to it except for the most powerful encounter. 
roasted meat. There was nobody else in the room, and him and I were taking communion together. And I would have to say, since that time, there's a shift even with my walk with God and this intimacy with God. And and so what I say is, is we we go deeper. We we sometimes out of just obedience and routine, we take the elements. We continually to give our hearts over. But that's because we want to go deeper with him. We want our stuff that doesn't belong there to go. So he's got lots of room to come. Um, you know, I don't like reading from this because it's just a whole lot of lines. Holy moly. Anyhow, I'll just read the scripture and then what I would love, because we are, we are going to be closing up, the kids are going to be coming up, but if you would like prayer, just four more, uh, for more, uh, for, um, you know, just this time of prayer and fasting, and I think I'd love to pray for you, but I just want to read this scripture that was huge to me. It's funny because last night I was, um, reading and I'm going through all the different, because there's so many different translations, right? And I'm going, well, this one says it kind of like my heart, but I know there's a translation out there that I'm supposed to get, and I couldn't get it until you said the Passion Translation. I'm like, yeah, I forgot about that one. So I'm going to read from that. It's Philippians 3, 10 to 16. And I continue and I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him and his sufferings, and I will be one with him and his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection with the realm of death. I admit I have haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I am pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I advance my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have the same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. And let us all advance together to reach this victory prize. Follow one path and one passion. So, in conclusion, let us be expectant as we engage God in this way for our church body and for our personal lives. And you can take this to the back. I guarantee it. Your life will be enriched in memorable and tangible ways. We believe that as we go deeper with Jesus, all of us, 
experience breakthrough in our lives. We go, Amen. We have one more thing to share with you, just quickly. In January 1st, year 2000, the Lord gave me a vision as I was praying. And the vision was I was standing at the edge of a river, and he was on the other side of the river, and he was saying, Come. Come. This was 20 years ago. And so, but I, I looked, and there's a, there's a river. I didn't have a boat. I didn't have anything to get across the river. And he says, Step, Come. So I, I stepped into the water, and my foot got wet. I stepped my next step, my foot got wet. Next step, my foot got wet. But the water didn't get any deeper. Right? Just this last week as we were preparing, the Lord caused me to revisit that vision. And in that vision, what I saw last week, I was just about on the other side of the river. And Jesus was right there 